My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. He swept me off my feet years before I learned that great partners don't sweep you anywhere. Rather, they want you to stand strong on your own. We met in an acting class, of which he was the star. While other women in the class pined over him, I only had eyes for acting. I was there to study, not flirt. And I certainly didn't need to leap into another relationship so soon after my last. The entire class knew about my goals and the breakup, just as I knew about their lives and dreams. It was that kind of class, and hello, we're actors, open, sensitive, and overflowing. It didn't strike me until later that T was an exception. He shared very little about himself. He performed and charmed us with his wit and charisma, and drove students in need of rides home in his luxury car. I, being one of the carless, was content taking the bus home. Thank you very much. One night, the teacher prompted us to sit face-to-face with a partner, look them straight in the eyes, and say whatever came to mind. When I turned to seek a partner, T was right there. Peering into his magnetic eyes, I felt naked and vulnerable. You don't know how beautiful you are, he said, or that you're the most talented actor in this class, probably in this city. You could be a star. My cheeks flushed burgundy. My ex never said such things. On the contrary, he'd felt threatened by my modeling and acting. The wounds echoed. That night, I accepted T's offer to drive me home. I sat in the car with other students, including a single mom an elderly woman, and a man who'd fled his homeland in seek of the American dream. T opened the sunroof, asked us if we'd like to watch TV, and told us we could turn our seat heaters, our personal ACs on or off as we wished. It all seemed pretentious, until I observed my fellow passengers beaming. T was treating people who never received such treatment like superstars. After dropping the others off, he stopped for gas thirsty? I'd love a water. I got it, he said, declining my $5 bill. He returned with 20-plus bottles, one of each available brand, some chilled, some room temperature. I wasn't sure which one you liked, he said, half-winking. I couldn't stop smiling as he drove on, chatting. He seemed fascinated by me and my life, my upbringing, my family and goals— We seem to share so much in common from worldviews to favorite pastimes. Within days, we were dating. Make that dating on steroids. Every moment was intensely romantic and adventure-filled. People routinely gushed over how perfect we were together, some guessing we were newlyweds versus newly paired. While his over-the-top adoration felt foreign in anything but cheesy movies, I began to rely on his perpetual love notes, bold exclamations, and gifts. It was as though he filled voids I hadn't known I had. By the time T's true colors emerged, I felt trapped. We'd been dating two months when T told me that Kyle, a mutual friend, desperately needed a place to rent for a month but was too embarrassed to discuss it. 
You should offer to sublet your place, T said. Stay with me for a while. I later learned that he told Kyle a similar story, only flip-turned, claiming I was in dire financial straits, but too ashamed to mention it. So could you please rent her place? I know you hate your roommate anyway. Kyle and I fell for this plot, and that month sublet became permanent. Looking back, it's obvious that while I had been studying acting, T had been studying me. Each bit of knowledge became a tool in his toolbox of seduction, ways to lure and keep me. He knew I cherished my place in independence, so rather than ask me to move in with him, he had strategized and probably relished the game, especially when he won and won and won. He wooed everyone I cared about and dropped out of class to give me creative space. It's just my hobby, but it's your dream, baby. I believe in you. After I had saved up enough to buy a clunky car, he gave me his. You deserve better. I treasure your safety. I sobbed as I drove it for the first time, wondering if I should feel guilty or just grateful, whether I deserved it. The truth was, I didn't deserve it, but my understanding of it wasn't reality, not by a long shot. One day, everything changed. I received the career news I'd been longing for. I'd booked a lead role in an indie film and couldn't wait to tell T, sure we'd celebrate. Instead, his face morphed from human to animal. He trembled, his face pale, nostrils flared, teeth gritted. Saying nothing, he began pacing and heaving while I stood there paralyzed and perplexed. T, talk to me, what's wrong? He shot me a steely glare, then raced to the kitchen. With both hands, he grabbed this heavy chrome paper towel holster that was bolted to the countertop and pulled, shaking maniacally until it snapped off. I dropped to the ground, sobbing and cradling myself. Please don't hit me. He didn't. But he did use the heavy bar to bash a hole in the wall, mumbling something about the hot actor guy who'd play opposite me. That was the first of countless outbursts, which surfaced any time T thought he might lose me or my attention, the shiny prizes he'd worked hard to win. After he chased a man around a parking lot with a knife for, quote, looking at me the wrong way, I packed my bags and left. But we didn't stay broken up. He came crawling, pleading for forgiveness. It's just that I love you so much. Help me be a better man. I will do anything to make this work. He provided endless excuses for his behaviors, his troubled childhood being the biggie, promising he would work through it all. He started therapy, said he found God, sent a letter of apology to my parents. I was his reason to go on, he said. Without me, what was the point? I wanted to help T. I loved him, but I also wanted to be happy, to live free of terror and to move forward in my life. Finally, I realized that the latter was only possible without him. The blissful times we had shared, early on, they were a farce and his sociopathic nature, reality. For any chance at happiness, I had to leave him for good. Doing so was one of the most difficult and important decisions of my life. I sobbed until I vomited post-breakup, stayed in bed for days, 
But as healing crept in, my acting career began to flourish, and that later led to writing a girl boner. I began feeling strong and whole on my own. A few years later, I met a man who loves me sincerely and whom I feel more like myself with than ever. In the right relationship, we only grow. If you relate to this story, you may have dated someone on the sociopath spectrum, people who lack empathy and remorse, who thrive on power and control. There is so much to say about all of this, and I left a lot out of that blog post I wrote and published a few years ago as an introduction to my Dating a Sociopath podcast series and carried on again more recently with Sex and the Sociopath. To hear my interviews with several other people who survived such relationships, as well as therapists with expertise in this area, click the links in the show notes in your podcast app. Most importantly, if you're feeling lost within and controlled by a relationship, I hope you'll start believing in the healthier, happier future you deserve. Sometimes the most important thing that we can do is recognize that that little voice deep within whispering this isn't right is brilliant and worth listening to, even if our hearts haven't caught up with it yet. Thank you so much for listening, and stay tuned for another Girl Boner Quickie episode soon on Six Signs You're Having Sex with a Sociopath.